Hey, it's Michael Greco here, and you're listening to the Angry Millennial. Aren't they just all too happy to be angry? Thanks for tuning in, and welcome to the Angry Millennial Podcast with your host, Jose Rosado, and co-host, Stevie Chris, where we talk to creatives and entrepreneurs from all walks of life and passions about the creative lifestyle, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Be sure to check out our site, theangrymillennialshow.com, and sign up for our newsletter to be eligible for prizes and giveaways, as well as stay up to date with new shows and upcoming guests. Hope you enjoy the show. Hey guys, who doesn't love really well-designed photography clothing? Check out clickgearclothing.com, a lifestyle for urban photographers. All Angry Millennial listeners can use coupon code ANGRYPHOTO to receive 20% off any order. And the first three people who sign up for our newsletter after the show will get a free $25 gift card. Now guys, be sure to also check them out on Instagram at clickgearclothingltd. What's going on, AM Nation, and welcome to the Angry Millennial Show. Today, we have Photoshop Cafe founder and aerial photographer, Colin Smith. Colin, thanks for coming out today. Hey, man. Good to see you. Yeah. So obviously, we have to chat about how exactly we met at WPPI this year. I mean, it's too good of a story um, that you know we were in line for what seemed like, I don't know, four weeks to get into the Hakkasan party. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was pretty random. <laughs> yeah. And I remember you were literally sitting, you were standing behind me and I, I couldn't help me. I was standing in line by myself with nothing to do. And it was my first year at WPPI. So I, I knew it was bad, but I didn't know it was that bad. And I'm he, overhearing this conversation with like a couple girls behind you. And I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. And I just turned around to like say something. And then we just started chatting. And sure enough, we get on the topic of, oh, who are you and why are you here? And I remember, what was it you said? You said, um, you asked me if I was familiar with drones, right? And um, I was like, eh, not really. What about you? I mean, do you like drones? And you go, pretty big on drones. <laughs> <laughs> not going to lie. It's, yeah, it's my, it's, my, it's my bread and butter. And I was like, oh, okay. And in my head, I'm going, who the hell is this guy? And then literally, what was it? Uh, we get to the front and we see, um, oh, geez, we see uh, Renee Robin um, blanking out on, on Twip. I'm Frederick, Frederick right? Johnson, Frederick yeah. Johnson, and a couple of people. And you're like, we all knew the same people, and then we're like, huh? I think we should know each other. <laughs> <laughs> and it's kind of funny. I mean, I think you you can agree, and that was just a, a testament to how really photography in general. I mean, once you get to a certain level, I mean, the circles get smaller and smaller. And and the people you bump into, you know what I mean. You you can't help but have that, you know, seven degrees of separation. Yeah, that's true. You know, it's a small it's a small industry. Even though there's a lot of photographers, um, you know, it is a pretty small industry. You're right. Yeah, I mean, it comes right back to you know the same people. I mean, like I met you, and it was funny because everybody that you were like, "Hey, good to see you." I'm like, "Ah, oh, nice to see you. I know you too," and you know, yeah, yeah, and, and vice versa. And uh, and I even noticed that like on social media, you know, like people that will send me a friend request. We've got like 150 
friends in common, and it's always the same people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You're like, oh, these assholes. They know these guys? All right, I guess they're cool. <laughs> <laughs> so if I get a friend request with no friends in common, then I get really suspicious. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I mean, I'll be honest. When I get them nowadays, you could be a great person. But when mutual friends is zero or like one, I'm always like, hmm. I'm always a lot more hesitant, you know, uh, to say. Well, I'm kind of a little in the middle you know like some people are really like gatekeepers like yeah. if you haven't met them in person they won't become your oh friend. yeah yeah i feel like that's then, if you're doing that other, it's the opposite of social media <laughs> right and then other people accept anybody right. um for me i kind of i have i don't know maybe 300 unaccepted friend requests and if yeah. you're watching and you're one of them i apologize yeah um in facebook i accept people if i have common friends or i kind of you know okay at least I can point out. So I don't have to admit them in person. Right. But there has to be something there that we have mutually in common. Otherwise, I'm just filling out my friend's feed with stuff that, you know, is unrelated. Right, right. Yeah. Politics or some other stuff. And you're just like, oh, mm. God. Yeah. <laughs> at least now they made it where you can, uh, you can literally like block certain, certain uh, um, aspects of it, you know? So it's like, you don't want to see any more. You know, things in your feed about X. Okay, great. And then, you know, so that's good. You can? Yeah. Okay. We're going to have to talk about that. <laughs> I'm, I'm like so sick of hearing about, you know, Trump and Hillary. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. So let me ask you, I mean, we, like, we, we talked a lot in line before I knew who the hell you were. And you were a WPPI like OG. I mean, you were going there. You were saying for how many years exactly? Um, well, I mean, I have friends who have been going a lot longer than me. So, um, but I've been going there since it was at Bally's. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think this was my, maybe my fifth time or sixth time speaking. Okay. Um, but I've also exhibited there a number of times. Um, so, you know, I go back to about the days when George took over from Skip. Uh-huh. Uh, although I was kind of involved in WPPI a little bit when Skip was running it as well, so yeah, it goes back a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And it was Skip was great. We just uh, we just had a uh, recorded with him last week, so it was, uh, it was it was great chatting with him about his journey through through so much of the industry. You know, yeah, awesome. Yeah, um, uh... it was it was great. So let me ask you, and I'm sure this is kind of to me a no brainer, but but how much of your success? came through like relationships within the industry well that's you know that's a really interesting question because when i first started out um like way back in the day it was kind of it was, it was a weird time yeah. um it was before social media and to be honest i was uh i just got started in you know it was more graphic design stuff yeah. um you know photoshop and you know i still you know, Photoshop is huge with me, <laughs> yeah, yeah. but, um, but anyway, but I, you know, I was just working in the industry. I didn't know anybody. Right. Um, I literally knew no, uh, nobody. Um, and I did some work and it, you know, I won some awards and I got picked up all these magazines and suddenly they wanted me to write books. And, right. um, and it just almost happened overnight, like that side of it, which mm-hmm. was weird because I just, I wasn't interested in doing education or anything like that. I just wanted to work. Um, you know, and yeah, yeah, make yeah. a living. Um, so in those early days, it just it just kind of exploded. And I literally didn't know who anybody was. Mm-hmm. Um, I was invited to speak at conferences, uh, like flash forward and stuff. And I didn't know anybody there. Um, but you know, going on from that initial burst, because that's what happens. You know, people. You know, sometimes you get discovered 
um, because people love your work. Sometimes you get discovered because you're good at social media or sometimes you just kind of just slowly uh, build your way up. For me, it was kind of like this explosion in the early days. Um, but then, you know, the longevity and true business success has come through relationships, you know. So right. people that I've I've known over the time, um, you know, like vendors like Wacom, you know, like Wes and Dan and Joe and all those guys, they're like brothers to me, mm-hmm. you know, we hanging out at shows for 10, 15 years, you know, same like with a lot of the Adobe people. Um, and then, you know, my buddies in the industry and stuff like that. Um, you know, we give each other shout outs, you know, we give each other opportunities. Like someone comes to me and says, Hey, I'm looking for someone, do you know, anyone I'll recommend the people that I know that I can trust. Um, so I would say as far as like building a business, you know, Mm -hmm. solid business. Yeah. It's all about relationships. You know, the people even to work with me and help me, you know, Bruce and different people like that. Um, you know, like speaking, you know, at conferences, you don't just magically people like, wow, this is an amazing person. Let me call them up and have them speak at our conference. Right. You know, they ask people, you know, is this person crazy? Are they, you know, <laughs> do they know what they're talking about? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool? Or who would you recommend? And, you know, and so really a lot of these opportunities that people see do um, come through relationships. You know, like I, one of my mentors uh, told me that success, you know, an overnight success takes 10 years. And that's about right. You know, I mean, I had this little explosion at the beginning and I mean, it, it was insane. Um, but I couldn't have built a sustainable business off of that. In fact, right. I didn't even try. I, you know, I was actually happy just sitting in my little hole, um, <laughs> you know, in the zone, uh, working, listening to my music and doing my stuff. Actually, yeah. what I wanted to do, I would have made a great hermit. But uh, <laughs> I mean, you said it. It was interesting to hear that you've you've gone from uh, the heyday before social media, right? And I, I think it's also important to note that around that time, you know, if we're if we're talking like late '90s, early 2000s, um, not only did social media kind of break down those walls. I mean, something I read about in your bio was that you know so many creatives and artists were so closed off. You know, they they had that mentality that everyone was going to drain them for their information and then you know take all their clients, and it's just not the case. But I mean, understandably so, like for photographers even. It, it was pretty much a, a black box industry for, for, you know, for hundreds of years, you know? So it, it was kind of like to say within a 20 year span, every, all of that was going to change. It, it kind of was jarring for a lot of people. Um, and you, you know, when you started out, we'll get into that. Um, you know, like you said, it was mostly graphic design and you couldn't, you were just learning like by yourself, you know? So you started out, um, you know, doing graphic design, but what came first for you? Like, was it, was it a natural transition from graphic design to photo stills? Um, or was photography always there, but graphic design sort of took off first, that kind of thing? Well, yeah, that's, that's an interesting question. Um, you know, I'm involved in a lot of disciplines and they all just kind of work together. Um, obviously, you know, photography for me goes back before design, um, because, you know, I didn't have a computer when I was a kid. I mean, I wish I did. Um, but you know, my dad was actually a photographer. Um, and, uh, he had Canon, uh, you know, I mean like what, what kind of work did he do? Oh, he did. Uh, he was actually doing architectural and, um, and actually some real estate photography. So it wasn't always necessarily, you know, sexy stuff, but (laughs) he was making, making money because back you wanted a real estate photographer, you hired a real photographer. You didn't get up your iPhone and take a picture. Right. You, you could do that back then. Right. And so, but he also did a lot of his own fine art stuff. And, and that's the stuff I really enjoyed. 
Um, and I remember, you know, he had a dark room and, you know, I'd hang out with him sometimes in the dark room and eat the film. You know, as a kid, I like literally would eat them. I can tell you what film stock it is by the taste of it. <laughs> well, then. <laughs> uh, it's pretty, pretty bad. But uh, like, hey, don't eat my film. I haven't processed that yet. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so, you know, so kind of a little bit of that, um, you know, and then growing up, you know, I wanted to do photography. You know, I couldn't really afford it camera and i couldn't afford film yeah. uh, you know so i had these cheap nasty cameras and then eventually i started traveling a little bit more and um my first love actually i wanted to be a photojournalist and so i traveled a lot and took pictures um so then when i came into graphic design it was something that was like hey we're people here that are willing to give you a job and pay you and i'm like yeah i'm down you yeah. know i i want to get paid doing people you know some people are like oh you're doing commercial work you're a seller i'm like you know what you go flip burgers and then, you know, do your art stuff on the side. I'm going to go do what I love for a living and sell out and then do my personal projects as well. So, yeah. you know, what? I'm okay yeah. with that because I'm yeah, actually yeah. doing my craft while I'm selling out. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I kind of say it as a joke because I, I love commercial work. Yeah. It's an art to commercial work and there's an actual deeper psychology, actually. If you do commercial and advertising, um, you know, which that's just where my design photography really mixed, um, you you have a, a real deep understanding to understand the psychology of why. So I had a mentor, um, and whenever I did anything, uh, you know, he was actually the guy I worked for, and he um, would say, why did you do that? Like, it wasn't like, oh, that looks nice, or that doesn't look nice, or, you right. know, I some new filter or some new effect, and I'd apply it, and I'd be like, man, that looks really cool. He wouldn't say, you know, oh, that's a nice effect, nice drop shadow. He'd be like, why did you choose that shape? Why did you choose that color? And so... For me, you know, it was really about the whys and not mm-hmm. necessarily the house. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, so that's where the commercial work makes you think. Because with fine art, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And fashion, you know, let's just say fashion. High fashion means, you know, you you, you haven't planned really. It's just go for it, <laughs> do anything, right? I mean, right. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm good yeah, yeah. expressing yourself. But, um, but when you do commercial work, you have to do exactly what the client wants. Right. You, you can't just randomly get something that looks good. It's got to have a, um, a meaning behind it. You know, there's, there's psychology behind it. Like I picked that color for a reason. I picked that shape for a reason. I pick a round shape because I want it to be softer. I pick a harder shape because I want it to be harder. You go triangular, then you're going right. full strength. I mean, so, you know, like colors, you know, red can mean angry. It can mean, you know, angry. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But, but you see, the thing red means that there's a lot of emotion. It's a high emotion. Right. The color orange makes people hungry. Yeah, you know, yellow can speak of things new. Same as green. I mean, mm-hmm. so so there is a psychology and an understanding behind that. And I think to take that and 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 you know apply it to what you're doing, it really makes you work stronger. So for me, even though I started in graphic design. Uh, that really helped my photography because there's a lot of things I learned about composition and psychology in graphic design that I can actually apply to my photography. So, yeah, so I kind of worked a little bit hand to hand, hand in hand, um, should I say. Um, but I kind of got sucked down this big hole because I loved photography, but I also loved design. But then one of the things I started doing is, you know, when I started doing all these books and stuff, I started getting invited to speak at events and uh, i'll tell you you know i was was nervous as anything i was terrible in front of an audience uh first interview i did on a camera took me um six hours to answer three questions i mean i was just terrible (laughs) like just not good in front of people (laughs) but anyway um 
so so going down that road, what happened is people were just starting to go digital. And at that time when I was working on a magazine, I told people don't send digital files because they were that bad. It was like, you know, negs, yeah, yeah, yeah. slides only. I want or digital files if they're drum scanned, but I don't want any um I don't want digital files because these digital cameras are just not good enough. I mean that that's where it was at. Yeah. So at that time, I started when I was doing these events, I started teaching digital darkroom. Oh, nice. And so I started teaching all these photographers how to transition from film to digital. Right. And um, and then in the process, I somehow got sucked down that hole and um, ended up coming out the other end with a, a digital camera in my hands. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, you said it. It's it's uh, early on. Yeah, they were they were shitty. But that's also you know testament to like a lot of things, design, whatever is just getting started, right? Like when they first got out there, yeah, they weren't great, but what is? And then you build on it. And now look at us where we have little computers in our pockets with, you know, a, a phone that has more megapixels than a camera even five years ago, you know? So it's it's kind of crazy. And you also mentioned the thing that a lot of people don't realize is the whole colors and emotion wheel. And and it, it's really neat. If you, if you look up either on Pinterest or Google, like uh, what colors mean, and then it shows different brands, right? So... So to me, as a consumer and someone who, like you, really likes the, the, the psychology behind it or the, the why, right, as you said, it's really interesting to see, like, which um, brands chose what color because then immediately you can go, oh, yeah, that makes sense. You know, like, when I think of that brand, I do think of that, or I do think of that emotion, or it does have evoke that emotion from me. <clears throat> Excuse me. So to me, that's, that's interesting, you know what I mean? And so, you know, you start out so early on design, you went down the rabbit hole. You made a very smart choice, I think, that a lot of people dismiss is like, you know, selling out, if you will, right? When I tell people all the time, if you're able to do, like you said, do what you love, learn more about what you like to do, and get paid, you know, like, <laughs> that's hey, that's pretty cool. Um, because then you were able to uh, transition from the working for someone else to completely working for yourself. And and honestly, if you, I don't think a lot of people can say that if you had that, if you did not have that uh, cushion in the beginning, it would have been a lot harder. Maybe it would have taken longer. Uh, maybe you would have burnt out, you know, um, or maybe you just never would have gone more into that commercial business aspect and just kept it as a fine art, you know, passion project kind of thing. So I know you said, you know, you obviously started out completely in Photoshop, which I thought was really cool. Um, so a lot of your stuff was just all basically like design, essentially. It wasn't anything scanned or, or traced or whatever. Um, so do you still do design work at all nowadays or is it all just the, you know, the still stuff? Um, actually, that's funny that, that you asked that because uh, I just got to throw this in because it's just so funny and ironic. Um, I was actually featured in Digital Photographer magazine. It was the first magazine uh, for photography I was ever featured in, but it was my illustration work. <laughs> um, so I was doing um, photorealistic illustration in Photoshop. And um, I actually, I was reading about Star Wars and how they use Star, uh, you know, Photoshop and Star Wars. I didn't realize that they used it for color correction. I thought they created everything. So I'm like, oh, I've, I want to do that. So um, and that's why I got a lot of attention because I was doing this very realistic looking stuff that people thought was photographs, yeah. but it wasn't. And I thought other people were doing it. I didn't realize that 
you know, other people weren't. I found out later on, you know, Bert Monroy, I met him and, you know, he does that kind of stuff. But anyway, um, but the funny thing is I just wanted to bring that up because so my first article was um, why Colin Smith doesn't need a camera. (laughs) 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 And it was illustration in a photography magazine, which I thought was hilarious. That's too Um, funny. But uh, to answer that question, yeah, I mean, I still do a lot of design work. I mean, I don't do as much illustration work Mm -hmm. as I used to. Um, but I still take those principles. So like, you know, when I'm doing retouching, I mean, I, I use a lot of that stuff sometimes. So mm-hmm. I, when I'm retouching, if something's not going right, I'll just paint it, you know, right. yeah. so I actually use a brush a lot in retouching, which, you know, I know Renee Robin does as well, but there's a lot of, um, retouchers that are afraid to like add something that's not in a photo. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so, you know, so I, yeah, I mean, as far as, like design, I mean, fortunately, I was able to make that transition and work for myself and start Photoshop Cafe um, in year 2000. And so I've been going like 15 years, but I've been more, maybe like 12 years full time. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I do all the design for Photoshop Cafe. I'm my own client. So mm-hmm. even though I'm known more for my photography these days, right. I do all our branding, all our design. Um, and, you know, so basically I'm at that place, which is a great place to be where I'm my own client. So mm-hmm. I can only get mad at myself if the client makes stupid decisions. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, that's bullshit. Stop it. You stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but at the same time, you know, the funny thing is, you know, when I was doing other people's work, it was probably nicer than the stuff I'm doing for myself because I don't have time. <laughs> you know, it's like right. literally. It's like back then, you know, I'd just do a magazine cover. I'd spend a day or two on it, you know, and make it look beautiful. Now I've got like, you know, I'm releasing a new title cover. I've got an hour, you know, bang it out. (laughs) Or an ad, 20 minutes, get that magazine ad out. You know, it's like, so literally I just bomb. It's about speed. Yeah. (laughs) And and it's funny. People always joke, but I mean, think about like how many mechanics, you know, right. That have those cars that are project cars at home that aren't running yet the same thing when you get home at the end of the day the last thing you want to do is look at another car and i get right. the same thing when you're doing it all day you're like oh well, i can take my time make it great and then when it comes to your own stuff you're like uh I, come on let's just get this done <laughs> you know right so, right so speaking well, of the commercial stuff but yeah. uh, but for the for my own personal stuff that i do like compositing projects and stuff like that mm-hmm. i'll take time on those yeah and, um, you know, and a lot of the things I learned back there on someone else's dime mm-hmm. is what I'm using now. Right. Um, yeah. My own, yeah. Nice. So speaking of magazines, I know formerly you were the senior editor and art director for Voice Magazine, correct? Yeah, that was kind of um, where I got my start. Mm-hmm. Um, my actual mentor was Dr. Jerry, Jerry Jensen. Um, I mentioned uh, mentors. I had uh, another guy, Tom, was like a business guy before that. Um, and, uh, unfortunately both of those have passed away now, both those guys, but, um, Jerry Jensen was in his seventies, um, and just an incredible man. Um, I met him and, um, he had three doctorates, incredibly intelligent, wow. um, but just the kindest guy and, uh, used to run his own ad agency, did record labels, magazines. He was running, I think he said he did seven magazines at once at one wow. time. That he started himself, um, just, an, just an incredible guy, genius. Um, but, you know, he didn't know how to use computers. Um, and so he was, you know, paste ups and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So I always wanted to work um, work under him and just learn from him. So I had that opportunity to do that. And I came in as, you know, what was I, production coordinator is what I came in as. Mm-hmm. And um, 
And then I realized they were outsourcing the design and I was like, I can do this. And then, so I bought all the design in house, saved them 200,000 a year, um, just wow. by doing that. Um, and you know, that gave me a little bit of credibility. <laughs> I mean, right. not, it's, you know, it was a bigger, bigger company, you know, a couple hundred people there. And, um, but anyway, so, um, I just worked and my whole thing was, you know, I'm here to make him look good. I gave him the credit for me. And, you know, younger people can learn this. If they really want to get ahead and you want to get promoted, it's not about you. It's about making your boss look good because yeah. your boss will take you. Exactly. He'll take you with him. Yeah. Uh, and so eventually when he retired, um, you know, they gave me the position and I was kind of surprised. But um, uh, but at that point, I lost interest because I was only really there to learn from him. Mm-hmm. I didn't care. And, you know, and it was funny because we get all these political things. And there was a lot of political people around there wanting power and stuff. I didn't care. I right. just I wasn't there for the power. I wasn't there for yeah, position. Yeah. I didn't care about that, yeah. you know. So, um, so yeah. So I, I got that position. We did a couple of issues, and then you know I realized there was nowhere more for me to go there, and then that's when I left and went and started my own business. That's what I was going to ask. So was that the job? That was, if that was the job you left to go full time, and and you said it. I mean that that to me is the. I think that's one of the main things that people, uh, self starters, entrepreneurs hate about having a salary job, is the politics. Right. Yeah. Because, it's, oh, it's BS. Yeah. Yeah. Like you can sit there and say, oh, I love the paycheck, you know, and if you're lucky enough to work from home, uh, you don't have to worry about a commute and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, the, the politics sometimes, the people make it a full, some people there make it a full time thing for them. Oh, and so it, stressful. It, yeah. And it's just like, yeah. eh, I'm good. So what was it like working? I know you said like this was early on, but what was it like working on the print side of things since you've done exclusively kind of digital work? Um, well, actually, the print side, you know, that's where I started, yeah. um, and I liked it. Um, it was cool. I mean, some things sucked, like press checks, you know, if anyone's done print work or still doing print work, you don't schedule the press check when you want to do it. You know, it's usually 3 o'clock in the morning or whatever, you know, when, <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, all right, press check's on. You go down there, they've got, you know, multi-million dollar press running. Wow. And um, they they roll it out. I mean, they start and stop that thing. You know, there's ten thousand copies out. We were doing two hundred thousand copies a month. Um, and so, you know, we'd go there. We'd do the press check. We'd check the film. I remember, you know, we spent time there. We'd be stripping film. I remember. Oh, geez, yeah, three four o'clock in the morning. We'd be there all night stripping film because something wasn't right. Or, um, you know, so literally, you know, we had exacto knives and we'd sit there on our light boxes and start like cutting out frames and pulling them out and moving them around and, and stuff like that back wow. then. Um, but one of the things I loved about it and I still love is when you see, I remember the first time I got a piece that was like printed arrived yeah. and like you peel off the shrink wrap and you smell <laughs> fresh ink on paper and in seeing your work printed, it's just such an incredible feeling, Yeah, um, you know, cause it's so tangible and, it's like, wow, it's, you know, it's surreal, you yeah. know, so, um, uh, you know, I still like that. And even now, you know, when I do print stuff, I still smell it. Like I go to the print. I love that smell. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's like you said, it's, it's the, for a lot of people, it's that it's the tangible. Okay. I can go even nowadays, right. You can go to Barnes and Noble. I can go wherever, pick up this, this thing, open it up and see my work, see my name. Uh, you know, and it definitely has a very meaningful, uh, you know, connotation for a lot of people. 
Oh, absolutely. I mean, I still get a box of all those magazines in it, um, <laughs> <laughs> hundreds of issues. It's yeah, like, yeah. I mean, and I look at them now and I'm just like, my early work was so horrible. I'm just like, oh my God, yeah, it's you know, it's awful. Funny. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, but it's, I still, it's nostalgic. <laughs> exactly. Because, you know, like we all know, you, everyone starts somewhere, right? And if you can sit there and say, oh, wow, like, look at this. Like, yeah, looking back, you're like, oh, this work sucks. But that's what got me started. That's where I was. And then, you know, you, you see the building blocks and the steps that get you to where you're at now. Um, so speaking of building blocks and sort of thing, uh, I know like many of the guests of the show, you are a creative alive alumni. You've taught an amazing number of classes. So tell me, how was that experience for you going from, uh, and tell me maybe at that time you were, uh, doing some of your own stuff in terms of teaching other people, but now that's a that's a horse of a different color, you know, a completely different animal for a lot of people. So what was that like? Yeah, no, it was cool. I mean, I, um, you know, started doing training, you know, a long time ago, and I still do training, you know, Photoshop Cafe. But um, but Creative Live was a cool experience, you know. Yeah. Um, I remember the first time, it was the very first Photoshop week. Um, George was working there with Ali. and still there. George is not there anymore, but... George called me up and says, hey, you want to do Photoshop week? I'm like, what is that? And, <laughs> and then he's like, you know, it's like an online conference, you know, and we get, you know, some different instructors together and you guys do like 90-minute sessions and, you know, you want to do like four or five sessions. And I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Sounds like fun. So I went out there and uh, great people, you know, really, really nice people that work there. Um, you know, Tana, of course, is, she's been on your show. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and Jim, Jim's great. Um you know, Jim Katechi, uh, you know, so like just some of the different people out there, you know, I, I like the people, um, you know, I remember when we, I first went out there, it was very startup, um, yeah. super startup, um, you know, they were in Seattle, it was the first time they'd done a multi-channel broadcast and, um, you know, so there was people scurrying around, running around like crazy. <laughs> I think the feed went down like oh, the first, wow. first like a couple of minutes they couldn't log on it was yeah, yeah. you know it was it was interesting so that you know it was fun and everyone was cool um like you know during stress that's when you can find out what people are really like and right. and no one was losing it everyone was cool that's um cool. and then i went back did a you know photoshop weekend a couple more times after that and mm. it was funny because i remember like going back after that like the next year it was just like no big deal yeah we just you know yeah streaming on all these channels and like and you know and they had it all worked out and right. it was like it was no big deal at that time um but yeah no so it was fun i mean it was weird though um because if you've ever taught like i you know I, i'll sit on a recording booth i have a recording booth and i record hours of training and that's no big deal because i'll sit there and i'll go okay i'm going to create a, a, a this one video so i'll run through it and go okay cool hit record, do it, screw up, start again, whatever. <laughs> like, no one cares, right? You've got to blow your nose, you stop, you know, it's not yeah. everywhere, yeah, you know, yeah. it's like, it's not dripping off your fingers. <laughs> it's fine. Who cares? No one cares because you can't do that in front of thousands of people, right? right. So, so it's kind of like, you know, I've done live presentations, you know, I've taught up to a thousand people and you get that feedback from the audience. You're like, okay, I know they like this, they don't like that. And you feed off their energy and you kind of, you know, it's easy, but, you know, creative live, you're sitting there. I remember sitting in the room and I got all these robo cameras and stuff all around me. And there's me and there's uh, Jim and there was another host. I can't remember. I apologize. Um, and, uh, I'm just like, all right. And then they're, they're counting down. They're like, all right, five, four. Yeah. And, and, I, and I'm like, 
why are we all silent? Like, <laughs> you know, why we're getting, everyone's like in this space, like yeah. silence. It's like, no one can hear us. Why are we like holding right. our breath? <laughs> right, right, right. But then, and then you go live and it's, and it's, it's you. It's yeah. you sitting here in front of your laptop. Um, like right now, I've got more interaction going with you. I mean, you know, they have the studio audience and all that yeah. stuff. Um, but, but it's weird because you're there and you're just on your computer. You're doing your thing. And, you know, there's tens of thousands of people out there. You don't know how many people are watching. But there's, you know, apart from the studio audience, there's no, no reaction. So it's, it's not easy. I mean, you know, people have done live presentations before. They've done workshops before recorded before but doing a live broadcast like that it's it's definitely a, a new experience yeah yeah no, it's great i mean and and we we've had i mean tons like skip renee uh you know tons of people who have been on the show and, and hearing um their experiences are, are interesting because for me you know we've even spoke with chase you know the the, the co-founder and and it what's interesting is that it, it's still so new but at the cutting edge, like you said, that it was a a startup, and then all of a sudden, within what two three years, it became a really big animal. And I mean, I went out there in I don't even know 2014, 13, when they just opened up the studio in San Francisco, and we went for the opening of that, and that was amazing. But again, it was it was you know a couple of years in already, you know, yeah. Um, and uh, and yeah, so it's it's really interesting to see what everyone's kind of take on it is. Um, and, and what they think, you know, uh, it kind of can lead to. Yeah, so. that was, that was fun. The San Francisco office was fun. So I yeah. went up there for, uh, Photoshop week, uh, version two. Uh-huh. Um, and it was in the San, San Fran office when it first opened. And, um, and I had my drone there and at that time that I don't know if this is verified, but it's possible this could have ever could have been the first ever live broadcast from a drone. Oh, so wow. I had my drone and they were like, um, you want to fly your drone off the roof? And I'm like, yeah. And, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, is, can we record it? And they're like, yeah, well, well, can we feed off your thing? I'm like, sure, if you can get it to work, go for it. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, they got a guy there. Um, oh God, I'm so bad people's names. Um, genius, like tech genius. And he hooked yeah. it all up. So my iPad, they could get the live display and everything. So during one of the breaks after the session, I had the drone, I flew it off the roof and flew around a little bit. And then, mm. you know, I um, did a little interview and then landed the drone, and um, I thought, okay, that was fun. And then, um, then I went back in there, like, dude, like everyone was watching. And when it went up in the air, <laughs> everyone was like cheering, yeah, and yeah, yeah. you know, and it was fun. You know, we That's just, great. you know, just I like it that those guys can just do that, just have fun and yeah. enjoy what they do. You know, yeah, for sure. And yeah. another staple to many of our guests is the title of author, which again, you've held an impressive what nineteen times and counting. Yeah, I'm losing my brain cells, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so what what's the process been like for you over the years? Um, you know, uh, have you published most of the traditional route or lately, but since you could, you take advantage of technology the last few years and self-published? I have never self-published a book. Um, you know, DVDs, yeah, hundreds of them. Um, but uh, books, I've always worked through a publisher mm-hmm. um, and I've worked... <laughs> <laughs> a lot of publishers. I started off at Friends of Ed, uh, then it became A Press after they went bankrupt. Um, I've worked with, um, then I went with Charles River Media, who were acquired by somebody else, became something else with Peach Pit, um, with McGraw Hill. Um, 
And right now I'm working with Rocky Nook. I'm doing my 20th book on drones. Um, so yeah, books are, you know, I, I remember when I was asked to do my very first book and this was when, you know, everything was just happening like crazy. And, um, there was a book called new masters of Photoshop. And so they, it was a uh, publisher in England and they said they got, you know, um, what was it at the time? I think it was like 12 or 15 or maybe 19 people from around the world that they considered wow. the, best, the best Photoshop people in the world. And they said, we want to include you in this book. And I'm like, um, you probably got the wrong person. I mean, <laughs> I don't consider myself you know, the best in the world. I mean, right. it's a little lofty, but, um, but anyway, so, you know, I was super honored. And I had to write one chapter, and the chapter was basically um, showing. It was really it was a portfolio. It was this beautiful coffee table book that they said they you know they couldn't make any money off it because it was it was cost so much to make it, but right. it, it was beautiful and it was like great opportunity. Um, so I had to do that, and then they wanted to do a little instructional thing in the end, and in a video. That's when I did my first video. So I had three questions to ask me. That's the one that took me six hours, um, and it took me. God, write that one chapter. It took me like two months. I was mm-hmm. just, and I tried to make it like a Shakespearean, <laughs> you know, rushing through the wind, blowing through my hair as eucalyptus is erupting my mind into pleasurable, you know, sensational, you know, whatever. I don't know. I mean, I was writing like that. I didn't know. I'd never written a book. I was like, yeah. this is a book, like, you know, then, you know, so I, so I did that and I was really excited. Um, now, I, you know, then the book came out and I figured oh, I can't get on the streets now, you know, cause I'm going to be so famous and, <laughs> you, know, you know, millions of dollars are going to start rolling. Yeah. In. yeah. I went out in the street, went to the mall and no one recognized me, you know, <laughs> no limo out the front, no, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Tech. and then I realized, oh, just cause you wrote a book doesn't make you rich and famous. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's funny. We we uh, we met with Jeremy Coward at PPE last year. We talked about that, and he, I go, "What's it like coming here and being a rock star?" You know, and he goes, "You know, it's funny. It is definitely you know something. It's it's great. You know." He goes, "But the funny thing is, when I go home, you know, natural nobody knows who the hell I am. You know, like he goes, I go out with my kids. Like you said, I, I go to the grocery store. I go shopping. No one says a word to me. You know. So, but when you come to this area where everyone's in the industry." And and he's like one of the you know Rolling Stones of of, of photography. He's like, yeah, it's it's kind of cool, <laughs> you know. He's like, <laughs> but then after a, a few days, you know, I say, I'm kind of happy to just go home and 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 kind of be a, a, a no one again, you know, nobody. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm uh, I'm all about that, you know. Uh, I don't do very much locally. In fact, yeah. I don't do anything locally because um, I like to keep my life separate. Yeah. from my work. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. So speaking of that, what's one of the, what's like the biggest things you've got in the pipeline right now that you can talk about? Uh, probably my new book, uh, you know, that I'm working with Rocky Nook on right now. Mm-hmm. It's supposed to come out in September. Uh, working on a, um, aerial photography book. Um, it's called the photographer's guide to drones. So oh, I'm, cool. I'm super excited about it because, um, you know, having done 19 books before, mm-hmm. uh, and I, I can honestly say this and is that I'm more excited about this book than the other books. Yeah. Maybe the first book was, was really exciting, but, yeah, yeah, yeah. but now that I know, you know, I'm not afraid, you know, it's like the people are afraid of the unknown. I'm afraid of the known because I know how much work it is, Yeah. but I'm super stoked because the guys at Rocky North for the first time ever um, that I've worked for a publisher, they're really letting me call the shots on my book. Nice. They're letting me do it the way I want to do it, right. you know? 
Um, even like I said, you know, the, the books are normally, um, a portrait. And I was like, you know, well, you know, with a drone, you can't shoot portrait. You only shoot wide. Yeah. Can we go landscape? Yeah, absolutely. Like no questions. Wow, asked. I mean, that's I've, cool. Other publishers in the past, they said, no, we can't afford that. Or right, to right. put on the shelves and, you know, all the politics and all, all the BS gets in mm-hmm. there. But these guys are like, no, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Um, and, you know, and they're giving me time to do it right. Um, so, you know, this might be my last book. Of course, I've said that about every book, but <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, excited yeah. about that one. Like you said, it, it's it's definitely, you know, it's not just overnight. That was, like you said, that this is your 20th one, <laughs> you know? So at 20, uh, spanning so many years, you can say, I'm finally getting a bit more creative control. And uh, it's, it's pretty, must be pretty neat. So speaking of that, right? So books and, uh, you know, speaking and presentations, it, while great, it can get tiring. Um, so what are tips and tricks? What are some tips and tricks that you do to stay fresh and creative with the stuff you do? Um, that's, a, that's a good question. You know, I think a lot of it is actually, I don't really get burned out because I love what I do. Yeah. Um, and I mean, I've walked at least for the last decade, my own path. Um, so, you know, yeah, I'm obviously, you know, have to answer to people, but I, I do what I want. Um, and I worked really hard to be able to do what I want. Um, you know, I made sacrifices, but, um, right. you know, like when I'm out flying or, you know, I love it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it. But, um, maybe the answer to that is to make sure you keep a healthy dose of personal projects because it's not the work that burns you out. It's clients and doing stuff that you don't really like. Because face it, if you want to get a paycheck, you got to do stuff you don't like. I mean, you're not, you're not, you know, like out of the work that I've done over, over the years, over my career, um, a very small percentage of that would ever be portfolio worthy. Mm -hmm. Um, most of the stuff is just, I'm, you know, I'm doing it. I'm doing the best I can. I'm putting my heart and soul into it. Mm -hmm. But it's not necessarily something that I'm personally excited about. Right. I mean, a lot of it's a lot of it's boring. Like you know, I've got a portrait shoot this week, and yeah, I mean, I'll set up my lights and I'll do the shoot, and and I'll get paid. But it's not something that I'm like, oh my god, I'm really excited to do this portrait shoot. Right. <laughs> but no, you know, true. yeah, yeah. But I mean, then yeah. if I do a, a, a you know, and if, if I just did that every day then I'd be like, yeah, I'd be bored stiff. Yeah. Um, but, you know, whereas I'm like, okay, I'm doing that, but then I've also got this other shoot that I'm going to be doing where we're going to be doing body paint and guitars and stuff and like oh, that. Yeah. And that I'm super excited about. So I think you just have to keep enough of your own personal stuff going that keeps it fresh for you. Yeah, yeah, and it's true. I mean, I, I've always been a huge proponent of them, and, and it's no secret. A lot of people, you know, say that. And and it's true because I've I've done – jobs where i just felt like i didn't have enough time for personal work and then i just hated my job and and those are jobs that were working in a studio like they were being a photographer doing thing i love but it, it just you know i needed that balance and, and that's really what it comes down to just that balance you know and achieving from what you said work that people will, will pay you to do and you to do what they want and work that you can gladly do whatever the hell you want and getting paid is not even uh on on your radar you know and, right so so what would you say is the biggest thing you struggle with? Um, biggest thing I struggle with? Um, probably time management. 
Because um, <laughs> I think it's every self-employed person. <laughs> <laughs> well, these days we're just so inundated with stuff, you know. Like uh-huh. uh, sometimes I sit there and, and I'm looking at my emails. I can't even like. I'll, let me tell you how many unread emails I've got right now on my laptop. Just my laptop. If I go down here, I look in there. Holy crap. 26,061 emails <laughs> expecting me to interact with them. Wow. Um, you know, that, and that's just one thing. And then you've got the notifications. Apple things are popping up all yeah. the time. I wish I could shut those down forever. Or, yeah. you know, your backup didn't work. And it's like all this stuff screaming at you. And, um, and I think simplification, you know, like trying to simplify. Yeah. And I've really spent, you know, the last year – just trying to simplify as many processes as I can, mm-hmm. and turning crap off. You know, it's yeah, just like, yeah. it's just, it's too much. Yeah. And, and it just overwhelms you, it stresses you. And then you're always worried about the stuff you haven't got done, right? So there's this big list of stuff. You know, guess what? When you're dead, there's still going to be stuff in your inbox, right? Mm-hmm. You're never going to empty it. Right. So I think it's about prioritizing stuff, seeing what really matters, um, and then just focusing. Focusing on that, yeah. Well, you know the whole thing, you know, like what's important and what's mm-hmm. urgent. You've got to get mm-hmm. done what's important more right. than what's urgent. But what's urgent's always freaking screaming at you. Yeah, yeah. It's like twelve kids, like in kid row outside, playing on bicycles <laughs> and scooters, screaming, "Me, me, 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 me!" Yeah. But that's not the crap that matters. Yeah. <laughs> the crap that matters is what's important. And what's important might be writing a book. And guess what? You can't sit down and write a book in one setting. Yeah, you know, and there's not always someone there cracking or. You know, recording a new video training series. There's no one there cracking a whip over you saying, Hey, you're gonna make this new video training series. Mm-hmm. No one. But yeah. if I don't do it, I you know, I don't eat. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. <laughs> so, you know, so you've gotta um so yeah, I think just and especially today, you know, with social media and everything, is there's so many things that can grab your attention and make you incredibly busy, but also very unproductive. Yeah, I mean you said it incredibly busy. Right. I mean, that to me is is it's kind of one of the big ones because, it, yeah, it's definitely busy. You know, that's not necessarily um, the, the thing that means you're productive, <laughs> you know, so it's it's you can be busy for sure. But if you're not being productive, then you have to sit there and say, OK, well, what like you said, what are things we can do to to help kind of uh, make that process easier? So. Colin, we have a couple questions left and they are going to start to transition into more of the deep side. So you ready? Oh, deep. Oh, here we go. All right. All right. <laughs> so what's the biggest risk you've taken in your artistic career? Uh, biggest risk, um, is, well, I mean, really is when I went out on my own. Yeah, um, sure. You know, letting go of the safety net of a regular income. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the same time, I actually moved to, um, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Wow. Um, yeah, it was interesting. I was there for a year. And part of that too was I was actually working, um, because I, I, I know I did say I left the other career to kind of go into my personal stuff, but I was also transitioning into that, which was I got a creative director's position in a multimedia company. And I did that because I really wanted to learn Flash. The guy that was running the studio was just a god in Flash. And so um, I kind of did that. Um, but at the same time, you know, they wanted me to be a partner. So it was kind of like, okay, am I going to be a partner and, and run this, you know, be a partner in the studio? 
And um, in the end, I got out there and I didn't. I worked for them for a little while as a creative director and then realized this wasn't for me. And so I went out and said, you know what, not going to do that, going home. And, you know, and then I had to, you know, pay my bills like rent's due Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, how are you going to pay your rent? I mean, I had some little bit of savings, but the smart thing that I did, and that was, I did, I did both at the same time. So when I was working in the job and I knew I wanted to go and start my own business, Mm -hmm. I didn't just jump out there like a madman and say, you know what, I'll leave my brain behind and then I'll jump out the window and someone will catch me on the way down. Um, I started building my clientele. So I got clients and literally, um, started working on clients at night, nights and weekends. So I'd work during the day, I'd do my job, I'd go home and then I'd work again, do another four or five hours every night. And uh, and then I started to build up that clientele to the point when I quit, the actual words I told my boss was, um, I can't afford to come to work anymore. Yeah, Because the work I was starting to turn down was paying more than my hourly rate at work. So that's how I kind of made that transition. But at the same time, I kind of went out, out there um, which was a good thing for me because rent was a lot cheaper. Yeah. And, you know, I was paying like five fifty a month for my rent. So that made wow. it easier for me to start my own mm-hmm. business and not freak out. Cause like here, you know, five fifty, you'd be sleeping under a bridge. I mean, <laughs> yeah. You know, in California, I mean, right. you know, it's right. a couple of grand just for, you know, one bedroom apartment here now. Yeah. yeah. So, so that kind of did help a little bit, but yeah, but it was scary because I, like, there was no regular paycheck. I didn't know, you know, if clients are going to call me. Um, and then when I came back from Tulsa, because I didn't stay there long, I stayed like a year and just realized, no, it sucks. Yeah. I mean, no offense, people in Tulsa, great town, fun place, but, you know, I like California a lot better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then when I moved back, that was scary because at this time I didn't have a creative director's op- opportunity or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I came out back to California, got a U-Haul, loaded it up, had an apartment, got enough money for the security deposit first month, Drove out here and then all my contacts told me, you know, hey, you know, if you're back in town, you need work, let me know. All these printers are like, oh, dude, you know, we need need stuff. Just, you know, anytime, let us know. We've got tons of work for you. So I came back. I took actually two of my um, interns with me when I came out here. Nice. And, you know, they went off and started their own careers and mm-hmm. doing great now. I wanted some creative director at Sachi and Sachi. Um, oh, wow. So they're doing well. But anyway, but we... Jumped in a freaking U-Haul, loaded all the stuff, came out, had an apartment in Laguna de Gal. And, I, you know, I didn't have a lot of money left at that point. I mean, that was... Yeah. <laughs> so I went out, had all my contacts up, no one had any work. And, you know, all these people that said, oh, yeah, yeah, well, we'll give you work. None of them had any work for me. Yeah. yeah. So I came out and then like, all right, I've got an apartment. i got rent due next month. i got no money. And I got no work. Yeah. <laughs> what am I gonna do? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a leap of faith, um, and that's actually how I started doing my DVDs. Nice. So at that time, I was like, you know, I've been working on a DVD. I was like, I don't know if this DVD is gonna work enough. Yeah, yeah, gonna... yeah. Most of my following is on Photoshop Cafe, um, by the way. Just you know, so um, so I made a DVD, and then I just put it on Photoshop Cafe. I didn't even have a mailing list then. Yeah. I put it on the site. And, um, and then just people started buying it and, uh, and then I, you know, so then I, I literally made, made my living making those DVDs and then suddenly my design business took off again and my photography work 
and started to do more client work mm-hmm. uh, again. But, you know, but that was actually that DVD was a cushion that actually enabled me to earn some income while I was building that back up again. I mean, I still had my clients, um, you know, and eventually they needed more work, but clients don't necessarily give you work when you want it. They give you exactly. Yeah. When it works (laughs) for them. And that's something that, you know, for a lot of creators, especially young ones is really the hardest thing to deal with is the patience aspect, you know, and realizing that if it doesn't work right, then doesn't mean it's not going to work at all. Um, it's just not, like you said, it's just not right at that moment. Um, so who knows? So name, what would be your biggest fear creatively? My biggest fear creatively is just like running out of ideas, um, and just having no, no ideas. Um, you know, and it happens some days I'm just like, there's nothing. And you know what? I just, I don't sit up like, I just go and do something else. Yeah. It's like, you know what? There's, there's no inspiration. I'm not inspired today. Um, there's things I can do. Like if I have a deadline, I can force feed my creativity mm-hmm. by just like jamming music in my ears and looking at magazines and and looking at work and trying to jumpstart that creativity. And and you can do that sometimes, but other times if I don't have like a really pressing deadline, I'll just go hang out, go watch the movies, you know, go yeah. go to the beach, do something else. Yeah, it's like yeah. you know what, it's just not going to work today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and people think like a lot of times that. That's uh, you're not being productive, but I think it's the exact opposite. It's knowing, like you said, if it's not going to work, go out there, go for a walk, go to the beach, go wherever, go to the movies. And and maybe then while you're like anything else, you're not thinking about it. You're not actively trying. It'll it'll hit you, you know, yeah. and you wouldn't have had that if you didn't just take a take a break and say, listen, I, I just need to walk away. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I know you said it a little bit. Maybe maybe and maybe that that trip was, but. What would be your most meaningful moment in your career thus far? Um, actually, you know what? And this might sound incredibly cheesy. Um, <laughs> it probably will. Um, for me, it's because, I mean, I, I've never chased money. Um, you know, I mean, I obviously like to, you know, have a roof over my head and eat nice food and, right. you know, drink nice beer and drive nice cars. But... It's never been a motivating factor for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll tell you, I was a few years ago, um, Strata. I don't know if you've heard of them. They make mm-hmm. a 3D software. Mm-hmm. Um, used to be really big on the Mac, and then they kind of disappeared and then started making a little bit of a comeback. Um, but anyway, they invited me out to their conference. And this is at um, Zion um, uh, National Park. They had like a little place they they did their conference, their users conference. It's like not huge, like a hundred people. Mm-hmm. And they invited me to come out and teach some Photoshop techniques. So I went out there and um, I was teaching some uh, Photoshop techniques. And then this kid came up to me, like like 10-year-old kid. And he's like, dude, I came to this conference to see you. Oh, wow. And like the highlight of this was um, – was seeing you and that just that blew me away um and it wasn't because this kid liked me or whatever it was like it was because you know this, this is a 10 year old kid i mean you can't bullshit a kid no yeah you know um you can market you can you know do whatever you want and write nice write-ups and you can fool adults but you can't fool kids yeah and i was like man if this you know, and for me, that was just like, 
that just really made it really worthwhile for me. So tell me on the opposite end of that spectrum, what is the biggest regret you've had in your career? Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> oh. You know, probably I, I don't really regrets are not things I dwell on. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I don't really let regrets you know, I, I I wouldn't say regret is is a word I have because everything is a learning experience. Yep, yep. Yeah. Um. So maybe you know I wouldn't do it that way again. I think back in the early days when I was writing books, um, I probably, you know, the mistake I made mm. was allowing myself to get to be shaped by others and others' expectations, mm. um, or not even expectations, or you know how they want to exploit me. Really, I mean, I'll, I'll just I'll just be honest, right? If you're yeah. if you've got any level of popularity or uh, any following, is probably a better word. I don't like to use the word fans because that sounds so egotistical. Yeah. Um, but if you have any kind of a following, people want to exploit you, yeah. and it's not bad. I mean, you know, it's business. Mm. You know, business is exploitation. Yeah. Um, so you're being exploited, um, but I think I might have tried to have steered that a little bit differently because what happened is when I did my first few books, it was based on my creativity and my art and the mm-hmm. stuff that I really loved doing. Right. And so these were books that were more about, you know, here's techniques, how I created this art and, you know, but it was me as an artist. And in somewhere along the line, I was doing technical books. You know, I think maybe it was uh, McGraw-Hill when I was doing you know, How to Do Everything with Photoshop, one of my best-selling books. It was in languages and all this stuff and, you know, um, tens of thousands of copies. You know, it was a really popular book. Um, but it was, like, really technical. It was, like, go inside every menu in Photoshop and literally – I literally had to explain every part of Photoshop. Every drop down, yeah. Which included stuff that I wasn't interested in. You know, but I had to learn it and do it even though I didn't do it in the real world. And so, you know, and then out of that, then they wanted me to do, you know, they asked me to take over the Photoshop Bible from Deke, which I didn't do. Um, you know, I called Deke and he was actually, I, I, I shouldn't say this publicly, but I'll say it. He was being screwed over by his publisher. Mm-hmm. And um, so I didn't, I didn't want to have any part of that. Um, but then I, you know, I started getting contacted a lot um, to do these more technical things. And, you know, I came to my senses and I stopped doing that. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I didn't really want to be a technician. You know, I'm an artist. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so if you're not careful, you can let people kind of define you. Right. And dictate what you're going to do in your career. Yeah, so I kind of pulled out of that and, you know, got back on track, you know, where I'm, I'm a lot happier now. That's great. I mean, I think a big takeaway from that is is just being self-aware, right? Because you can sit there and say, well, this is my, you know, upteenth book and and it's, you know, going really well. And uh, this, in your head, you're thinking this is uh, the right trend and everything's trending upward. <laughs> However, when you take a step back, and you be realistic with yourself. You say, well, hold on a second. I got, when I got into this, I was into it and I was doing X. And now I'm doing more Y. And I'm starting the curve further and further away from what I really want to do. And and you made a choice, you know. And, and for some people, that's that's not easy, you know. Um, for some people to, to say you're essentially agreeing to leave money on the table and walk away is uh, is pretty, pretty freaking scary, you know. 
Um, but at the same time, like you know, it, being burnt out and doing things you're you're not happy with, no matter what the money is, is, is not worth it either. Um, so you know, it's just something to always kind of be looking back and, and checking in with yourself, you know, and, and saying, hey, this is great. Am, am I happy? Could I be doing something else? Could I maybe be doing it a little better? Uh, if so, then all right, then do something about it, you know. Um, but for a lot of people, that's that awareness is, is very tough. Well, yeah, if you're miserable, you know, you've really only got yourself to blame. Yeah, yeah. So, Colin, this this one is is kind of a big one. Um, it, it, from especially for you, for someone who has done, you know, DVDs to books to uh, your own website to all this stuff right? Where basically you were essentially just sharing your passion with, with anyone who, who was into, interested in checking it out. Um, so if you couldn't share your work with anyone, not your significant other, not your family members, not anyone, would you still shoot? Absolutely. Um, you know, without a question, um, I, I love what I do. Mm-hmm. Uh, there is a part of me as an artist, I mean, it would be very painful to not share because as artists we just have to share it's like it's part of you know breathing and eating and you know we we just have to share our work it's it it would be painful but um but you know absolutely i would still do it because i ultimately do it for myself and you know and there's times when i do that like you know what was that movie um the secret life of walter mitty yeah, yeah you I remember love that movie. And he was, was a photographer and he had that shot and he didn't mm-hmm. take that shot. Sean Penn, the ghost cat. Sean Penn in that right. movie made everyone feel like a hack because right, he was right. so deep. Exactly. And then right. you sit there and go, oh, I fucking suck. You know, I remember hearing that scene. During that scene, I was like, I'm a monkey with a camera. I should not ever <laughs> shoot ever again. So, you know, so maybe, you know, there's that moment. I mean, I can't say that I'm as um, as deep as he is. <laughs> as deep as he is. <laughs> but, I mean, I mean you know, a lot of us are as deep as Sean Penn. Yeah, I mean, you know, I'll be honest. If that, um, you know, dream shop is there, I would take it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But having said that, I mean, I got a ton of stuff I shoot that I don't share with people. That people don't. Yeah, uh, people don't ever see. You know, no one will ever see it. Maybe it's good. Maybe it's not. I'm right. I'm kind of weird like that too. Like I should have other people pick out my pictures for me because. Um, when I read a menu, I never read the whole menu. I read it until I see something that I really want and then I'll just order it and I don't care what else is on the menu. Um, same thing with my pictures. I'm going through my pictures. I'm like, okay, I'm going to go through all these pictures. I'm going to find the pics and, uh, and go through it. And sometimes I do. And sometimes I don't, I'm just yeah. going through the pictures and then I come across, Oh, I love this picture. This is the one. I don't even like, look at this. the rest. And I just process that <laughs> and I put it out. There might be better ones on there that I yeah. didn't even look at. You ever so you ever bad. go back to your archive? Yeah, I do, and it's usually not intentional. Mm-hmm. And this is where the you know, the artist ADD thing comes. You know, shiny objects. I'm doing something completely different. Like I'm working on a DVD or a book, and I'm looking for a picture, and then I come across like one of these old pictures I shot, or you know, or maybe recent, or maybe it's years old, and I'm just like, man, I love this picture. And then everything else is gone. And before I know, it, I'm in there. I'm editing that picture, and like. You're like, well, five hours later, fuck, what happened? And I'm like, this had absolutely nothing to do with what I was doing. You know, and a lot of those I would use because, you know, I read a a regular column with Photoshop Mm -hmm. user for so 
of years is the, the tips column. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I would, sometimes they would come up as example files or stuff like, okay, right. I've got to do it. I've got to use an image. Right. Sometimes I would do those pictures I worked on mm-hmm. and no one ever saw them. Yeah. Uh, but then all of a sudden they printed in a magazine. <laughs> yeah. They're like, and oh, well, it's even, out there. Like, my hero image is more like, oh, here's how you, uh, you know, adjust your brush size. And, and my picture just happens to be in there. Oh, okay. Nice. Cool. <laughs> At least I get to use them for something. But, right. uh, but honestly, yeah, I mean, I would still, yeah, I would still shoot. I mean, I, I have had experiences when I took my drone down the beach and, um, you know, gone there at sunrise and uh, sitting there and, and the sun's coming up. And my drone's there, and I'm like, I'm not going to fly today. Yeah. And everything's set up, ready to go, and I'll put my controller down, and I'll just sit there and enjoy the sunrise. I mean, that's that's happened. Yeah, yeah. so there you go. You are like Sean Penn. Well, no. <laughs> baby, baby. Yeah, baby. yeah, right. <laughs> but again, I think, like you said, it, the most important takeaway is that, it, I mean, let's be real. Uh, for people who pick up a camera to for fame and fortune, you're not going to last. Yeah. Um it really so for a lot of us who have a, a sustainable career, maybe not the success you might dream of, but at least you're still doing it. Is that you? You realize that you did it for yourself first and foremost, and all the other stuff is just awesome, and it's kind of like just just a cherry on top. Um, but in reality, it's it's just that you have to remember that if you're doing stuff that you like, then everything else is cool, and if you're doing stuff you don't like, then it's not going to work out anyway. Right. You know? Absolutely. So, Colin. Thank you for taking the time out today. Uh, only have one more question left, but before we we talk about the last one, where can people check out your stuff and learn more about what you do? All right, um, most of my stuff is on PhotoshopCafe.com. That's where I have uh, a bunch of my free tutorials, and I also have my premium tutorial training that I do on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a gallery and I have my pictures. Uh, but for social media, um, my biggest one probably right now is YouTube. Uh, I do a YouTube video every week. Nice. Um, I guess I can call myself a YouTuber. Um, so, you know, I do a tutorial um, every week, a Photoshop tutorial. And then sometimes I do a drone tutorial or something on drones occasionally. And I'm trying to vlog more. Um, it's just, I shoot the vlogs, but getting around to editing them. Um, so, <laughs> so I'm on there. Um, as far as pictures, though, every day I post a picture on Instagram. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's Photoshop Cafe. Same with YouTube, it's Photoshop Cafe. And um, on Facebook, I post a picture every day and occasionally have rants. <laughs> if I rant, nice. I'm probably going to rant on Facebook. <laughs> nice. Yeah, yeah, nice. Okay, great. So last but not least, who's someone that you would like to hear us talk to on the show? Oh, I probably need to see who you haven't talked to because it seems <laughs> like everybody I know <laughs> you already has, has, been, has been on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, but you know, yeah, there's, there's, there's some people out there. I don't know if you've, have you had Frank Salas on, on yet? Um, mm-hmm. amazing wedding photographer. He's a buddy of mine here in OC. Um, like seriously, one of the most legit wedding photographers out there. He teaches, you know, WPPI and all that stuff, but he's not, um, necessarily has a bigger stage cause he's working. Yeah. He's shooting weddings like mm-hmm. high end weddings, um, where it's Carlton and montage every weekend. Um, Fantastic photographer. I actually met him as a best man at a wedding. Oh, wow. Uh, there was Carlton, and he was the photographer. And yeah. that's actually how Frank and I met. Um, if you want to get a legit wedding photographer, he's been doing it since he was in high school. Wow. Um, seriously, one of the best in the business. Um, he'd be a good guy. Another guy you probably have not heard of, 
uh, was an incredibly talented photographer, um, mainly landscape photographer, is Tim Cooper. Mm-hmm. Um, Tim and I, um, I actually had him come in and co-author a couple of books with me oh, wow, back cool. day. And you know, and I don't trust a lot of people to co-author a book with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Tim was one of those guys. Um, he used to be director of education at Rocky Mountain School of Photography, oh, and wow. it was actually my very first uh, speaking gig. Mm-hmm. Uh, was was up there, and um, and he was the director of education at the time, and that was nerve-wracking because I'd never spoken in public before, and um, I was on for a week and Julianne Cost was there the week before me and John Paul Capronegro was the week after me. So mm-hmm. you can imagine how <laughs> nerve wracking. I mean, you've never spoken before. You're already nervous and then they shove you between two of the biggest giants in the industry. Yeah, <laughs> it's yeah. like, oh, thanks guys. <laughs> uh, but Tim, Tim's a great guy um, and absolutely fantastic photographer, very knowledgeable. He teaches all these workshops and stuff around the country. Awesome. Uh, really good guy. He, Worked with uh, Galen Rouse a little bit for a while too. Okay. Great. Photographers. Right. And the other one I said is John Paul Kepernegra, if you haven't mm-hmm. had him. All right, definitely. So definitely as as always, for all these people, when we have this question, we always tell everyone if uh if you'd be willing to make a nice warm introduction, that helps. Uh definitely uh, a warm lead is always better than just a, a cold email and stuff like that. But we we'd love to have him on the show. Cool. All right. Well, Colin, again, thank you for taking the time out. Um, you know, I probably don't think an hour kind of flew by, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I got to get LA now. <laughs> yeah. So uh, thank you again for taking the time and hopefully we'll, uh, we'll see each other soon. Yeah. It's, it's fun, man. So this hour went fast. The next hour is going to go slow because it could be in traffic. So uh, <laughs> exactly. it's good. Thanks for having me. Yeah, of course. Um, it's been an honor to be on your show and looking forward to uh, sharing with everyone. And uh, I'll catch you at uh, the next. Are you going to be at NAB? Uh, not in Vegas. I'm going to be going to the one in uh, New York later after PPE. All right, cool. Yeah. So I'll probably see you at PPE if not yeah. before. Yeah, definitely. All right. All right. Take care, Colin. Thanks, sir. All right, later.